0: Now, today we're starting a new series for the new year called Walk with Jesus. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to walk with Jesus from the start of his ministry to the start of the New Testament church. And this series is going to take us all the way up till May. It's gonna be broken into smaller mini-series that are gonna help us learn the teachings of Jesus and learn some significant encounters that people had with Jesus. And so if you aren't a Christ follower yet, I think this series is gonna be a great series for you. So for the next few months, you're gonna be able to watch Jesus closely and you'll be able to decide whether you feel like a relationship with him will be beneficial for you or not. I think it will be beneficial for you, but you'll be able to decide that over the next few weeks. If you are a Christ follower, I think this series will be great for you as well, because this series can help us evaluate how we're doing at following Jesus. I don't know if anybody else has a trouble following Jesus like I do, but sometimes I don't follow Jesus the way that I should. And I think this series will help us kind of evaluate our lives and see, am I really following Jesus the way that Jesus wants me to follow him? So, again, I think this series will be great for all of us. And to help us with this series, we have several tools that can help us on the journey. The first are these journals. So at the back of each seating section, we have these journals, and they're our free gift to you. So I encourage you to pick up a journal before you leave and then bring it weekly. Use it when you're studying scripture on your own, when you're here on Sundays and you're learning to write what you're learning down, what God is teaching you. We're about to walk through a fast together. You can use this during your time of fasting. And why I ask you to to use these is because we remember way more of what we write down than just what we hear. And, and I know that is true for myself because at lunchtime, sometimes people ask like, what did you preach on? I'm like, I don't know, that was like an hour ago. Like, how, you expect me to remember that? If I wrote it down, I would remember. So when we write things down, we'll remember them more. And that can help us grow spiritually. Another thing that'll help us grow and, and a tool I think that can help us in some spiritual conversations throughout this series are these t-shirts. <laughs> so we made a, a limited edition uh, of these shirts available in our lobby. And they're uh, at our cost. I think it's $15. But you could wear one of these shirts in our community and begin some great spiritual conversations with other people about what it means to walk with Jesus. So I encourage you to grab one of those t-shirts before you leave and wear it proudly uh, in our community. Now, several weeks ago, we spent some time together celebrating Christ's birth. And we had our Christmas Eve services, and we had a whole lot of people here, and it was a great time. We, we celebrated communion together. It was a great time as a church family. And the really cool thing about Scripture is is it gives us quite a bit of material about Christ's birth. We spent a lot of time in that, our Christmas series looking in the Old Testament, the, the book of Isaiah, that predicts Christ's birth. that was 700 years prior to Christ being born. So there's a whole lot in the Old Testament that talks about Jesus, his birth and his ministry. And then there are four chapters in the New Testament part of the Bible that specifically talk about Christ's birth from different perspectives. And so the Bible is rich when it comes to Christ's birth. But after that, up until he's 30, we don't have much in scripture. We have one encounter of Jesus being 12 and interacting with some religious leaders at at the temple and then being blown away by his knowledge and and, and, uh, how he interacted with them. And Joseph and Mary, his uh, earthly parents, didn't know where Jesus was. They freaked out. They came back, scolded him, said, Jesus, like, why did you do that to us? And he said, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house doing my father's work? And then after that, scripture says he submitted himself to them. Like That is just this amazing concept that's hard to grasp. The creator of the universe submitted himself to his creation while he was growing up for those 30 years that we're not really familiar with. We're not really sure what all happened in that time frame. But when Jesus turned 30, he began what is known as his earthly ministry, the reason that he came the earth so we're going to look at some of the first things that jesus did when he started his ministry matthew chapter 3 tells us the first thing that that jesus did in verse 13 it says then jesus went from galilee to the jordan river to be baptized by john but john tried to talk him out of it said i am the one who needs to be baptized by you so why are you coming to me and the reality is if anybody didn't need to be baptized it was jesus And John's acknowledging that, but Jesus said in verse 15, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This is one of those uh, passages in scripture that gives us a glimpse into the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's known as the Trinity. It is a perfect relationship. And the amazing thing is, is that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are invited into that perfect relationship. I don't know if that blows your mind, but it blows mine. Like why would a perfect God invite imperfect me into that perfect relationship? I don't know, but he invites all of us who put our faith and trust in him into that. And it's such a blessing to, to be able to see how that relationship operates. Well, Jesus' baptism also shows us what God wants us to do after we put our faith in Jesus. So after we do that, God wants us to be baptized. Jesus modeled that for us, and that's something that we should do after putting our faith and trust In Him. If if you're new to baptism, you're not really sure what all that means. Baptism is a one-time public declaration before God in the world that we have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And so we gotta be clear about what baptism is and what baptism isn't. Baptism is not a salvation moment. You don't get eternally saved when when you go in the water and, and come out of the water in baptism. So if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you get baptized, all you did was get wet. Okay, so that's not good for all of eternity. But once you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you ask him to come in your heart, Scripture says that's a moment of salvation. Then we follow that up with a public declaration of the decision that we've made to follow Jesus. Baptism is very symbolic of us identifying with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. When, we're, uh, when we go under the water, it's us identifying with Christ's death. When we come out of the water, we're identifying with his resurrection, and like we're being raised to new life in Christ. So if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you've not been baptized, I highly recommend That's the next thing that you do. Our next baptism is on Easter, April the 9th, which is just around the corner. And I recommend you go to our website, theepicchurch.com. Look for our signups tab and you can sign up there for our next baptism. It'd be a great opportunity. That's a very special day to be baptized. And I encourage you to do that if you've not followed up your salvation moment with being baptized. Well, right after Christ's baptism, he faced an extremely difficult spiritual battle. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But I want to step back from that for just a second and acknowledge to all of us that if you're a Christ follower, even if you aren't a Christ follower, and if you have a significant spiritual encounter with God, which I pray, I hope that you do even this morning or throughout this series, when we have those encounters with God, often those things are followed up with spiritual attacks from the enemy, with deep spiritual lows. I've experienced that in my life. I'm sure many of you have experienced that in your life. And I'm, I'm just curious, anybody ever experienced that before? After a spiritual high, you've went through a great spiritual battle. So isn't that exciting to, to know that, you know, as Christ followers, wow, we have these great moments. And then the next moment we're wondering like, what just happened? And it can be very confusing for us. But I think that happens for several reasons. Number one, I think it happens to strengthen our faith. So we learned several months ago in our Real Faith series that if our faith isn't tested, our faith can't be trusted. I mean, think about driving a car that's never been tested in a crash test. Like, can you imagine that? Like, no, none of us would wanna jump in that car. Our faith, like that, has to be tested to be proven and to grow. So we've got to allow our faith to be tested. God wants our faith to be tested as well. I think a second reason that those things happen is because we have a real enemy who wants to take away any spiritual significant moments that we have. So when we have those spiritual high moments, Satan comes along and he wants to take those moments away from us as quickly as possible so that we will give up on our faith and say, well, I don't know what happened. That, that was a, a great moment, but maybe it was just an emotional moment and I don't know why I can't stay at that level or keep growing in my relationship with God. And so we're tempted to walk away from our faith or give up on our faith in those moments. So we have a real enemy and he really attacks us and we're gonna watch him attack Jesus. So Matthew chapter four, verse one says this. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. So let's reread verse one again. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Sometimes people misunderstand what this verse means. Sometimes I hear people say, well, God is tempting me. That is not accurate. Read James chapter one. It says, God is not... Uh, tempted by evil, and he never tempts anyone with evil. God will never tempt us to do wrong. He will allow temptation to test us. Satan is the one who tempts us. God is the one who allows that for testing in our lives to grow our faith in him. So that's what's happening. That's what's about to happen here in this moment. Verse one also tells us that Satan is a real being. Uh, if you're not a Christ follower, you might think "Ah, Satan's just a made up Halloween character. He's not. He's a real being. He hates everyone. He hates you. He hates me. Uh, God loves everyone. So he hates everyone. And again, he wants to attack us and take away any spiritual growth that we can have in our lives. If you're a Christ follower, he wants to blunt your effectiveness as a Christ follower. If you're not a Christ follower, he wants to keep you from becoming a Christ follower. That's how he attacks us. Verse three, says during that time, the devil came and said to him, Jesus, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that was his first temptation of Jesus. And I just wanna pull back for just a second and kind of look at the reality of what's happening in this interaction. John chapter one says that Jesus created everything. That means Jesus also created Satan. He didn't create Satan as Satan. He created him as Lucifer, the, uh, light, the angel of light. He was the most beautiful angel. But Lucifer didn't like his position. He wanted more. He saw God and his power. He wanted that. So he, he set out to attack God and be above God's throne. He rebelled against God and God said, oh, we're not gonna have that. He got a demotion and a name change. His name was changed to Satan, which means adversary. So we have a creation trying to tempt the creator. Like this is just so interesting in the dynamics of, of this. And how is Satan attacking Jesus and tempting him? Is he he attacking him in his Godhead? No, he's attacking him in his humanity. And I don't fully understand how this works, but scripture teaches that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be us. He knows exactly what it's like to go through what we're going through. If you're going through something difficult, Jesus knows what that's like. If you're going through a health struggle, Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus knows exactly what it means to be a human, and that's how Satan attacked him. He attacked him in his humanity, and that's exactly how he attacks us. You know, He attacks us often when we're weak and, and we're tired. He attacked Jesus after 40 days of fasting. You know, After 40 days of fasting, we're all gonna be tired. We're all gonna be a little bit weary. And that's when Satan attacked Jesus. That's when Satan attacks us, when we're tired, when we're weary. Some of my greatest battles with the enemy are in those moments when I'm tired and I'm weary. And there are too many moments where I get attacked by the enemy and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know that I can do this. And I don't win those battles the way that I should. But instead of giving in to Satan's attack, Jesus fought back and he fought back with biblical truth. So biblical truth is a powerful weapon to use against the enemy when he's attacking us. And that's why it's so important for us to learn the Bible. And biblical truth is one of our primary weapons to use against Satan. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, you might think, well, like, how am I gonna like, learn to fight against the enemy? If I've got this real spiritual enemy, how am I gonna learn to fight against him? Well, the cool thing is you can learn a whole lot in a relatively short amount of time if you just decide to. So I've got five recommendations for those of you who may be new to faith, new to the Bible, five recommendations for how you can learn the Bible in a short amount of time. So here's the first one. Number one, if you wanna learn about the Bible, get a Bible. So start with a Bible. It's good to have a Bible. And you know, some people you know, think like, oh, how do you get a Bible? There's so many translations out there. I'm not sure you know, what to start with. Uh, here's what I recommend. If you like a paperback Bible, we've got paperback Bibles at the back of each seating section that are a free gift to you. Take one, take five, hand them out, use them. Uh, if you're watching online and if you need a Bible, email us at info at theepicchurch.com and we will mail you a paperback Bible. Now, for those who don't use a paper version of the Bible that much, maybe you're a digital person. If so, here's what I recommend you do. I recommend you download the Version Bible app, and then you look for the New Living Translation that's signified by the NLT. Now, the reason I tell you that is when you download the YouVersion Bible app and you look at the translations, you'll think, there are hundreds of translations. Where do I start? I recommend you start with a new living translation and you can expand from there. There's some great translations out there. This is a great translation for beginning to read the Bible. That's why we use it here. That's why we recommend it on a regular basis and you can grow from there. So that's the first thing I recommend you do for learning the Bible. The second thing is use our spiritual growth challenge that we make available weekly. So if you're new with us, we make available weekly the Spiritual Growth Challenge, a one-page document that helps us dive deeper in what we're learning on Sundays. There's a Bible reading plan there. There are questions that we can use for personal reflection. There are questions we can use with a small group of people as well, maybe our family or a community group that we're a part of. It's a great tool for helping us just to dig a little deeper in what we're learning on Sunday. It's not meant to be the super deep spiritual Bible study. It's meant to be a starter for that to help us get some tools that'll help us start digging deeper on our journey. So if you're on campus, you can pick a copy of those up in our lobby. Every week they're available. If you're watching online, there's a link in the chat section that you can click, and it'll take you straight to our Spiritual Growth Challenge. So it's the second thing I recommend you do for learning the Bible. Third thing is take one of our growth groups. We've got a spiritual growth group called 40 Days in Prayer, and you heard that in the announcements. It's on your, your information sh- sheets about our groups that are coming up. This 40 Days in Prayer starts in February, and it It will help you learn scripture so you can learn how to pray. So, when we learn how to pray, how to talk to God, we're going to be in scripture as we do that. It's a great environment for learning how to pray and learning more about scripture. We also have another growth group, spiritual growth group called 40 Days in the Word. That will help you understand the framework of scripture. When you understand the framework of scripture, how it was put together, you can begin to understand it as you're reading it. If you start at the beginning, which Where's the most common place you would start reading a book? At the beginning. If you're new to the Bible and you pick it up and you read Genesis, like you'll, it'll make some sense. You get into Exodus, it'll make some sense. And then you get into Leviticus, you'll start scratching your head. You get into Numbers, like you're gonna like wanna like give up on reading the Bible altogether. So that's not exactly where I recommend start reading the Bible. So if you take 40 days in the Word, it can help you understand the framework of Scripture and how to read the Bible. Again, that's gonna happen to me fourth thing i encourage you to do to learn more about the bible is get into one of our community groups we've got groups for men we've got groups for women we've got groups for couples our students do groups our children do groups and in all of our groups the thing that we're studying is scripture some groups study what we're doing on sundays other groups do book studies or other studies of the bible and so i recommend you get in a group and being in a group context can help us learn from other perspectives and help us learn deeper truths of scripture as we do that with other people. So I recommend getting in the community group. The fifth thing I recommend is keep attending or keep watching online. If you make a commitment to attend a church where the Bible is taught on a regular basis or keep watching online, you'll be amazed at what you can learn in a short amount of time. And think about how fast this year has gone. We could be celebrating 2024. And if you make these commitments over this year, you'll be amazed as you look back like, wow, I've learned a whole lot about the Bible in just one short year. So this is what I recommend if you're new to the Bible. And guess what? Satan does not want you to do any of these things. He's gonna try his best to keep you from doing all of these things because he knows it'll help you grow spiritually. He does not want that to happen. And God wants us to do these things to grow spiritually and learn scripture and how to effectively use it against Satan. And here's why it's so important for us to learn scripture is because Satan knows scripture as well. He knows scripture. He knows how to twist it. So verse five says, then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. Like, like that's just another like funny interaction to me. You know, I, I'm so glad Jesus was there in that moment. And it wasn't me. Like this is a, like, I bet you can't moment. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those moments, but you know, if I'm in those moments, someone says, I bet you can't. Like I want to blow up and go, oh yeah? Well, let me show you. I'm gonna jump off and I'm gonna show you something real quick that's why I'm not God. That's why Jesus is God. So Satan tempts Jesus with that. And he says, for the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So when Jesus defended himself with scripture, Satan attacked with scripture So he twisted scripture. That's why it's so important for us to learn scripture and to know how to use it effectively because he knows it as well. In verse seven, Jesus responded with a proper use of scripture. He said, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. So when Satan attacked with an improper use of scripture, Jesus counterattacked with a proper use of scripture. Again, showing us why it's so important for us to learn how to use scripture effectively. Verse eight says, next the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said, I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. It's interesting when you look back at what Satan used to attack Jesus, it's the same stuff he uses to attack us with. He attacked Jesus with things like provision and power and pleasure and possession and prestige. That's the same stuff that Satan uses against us on a regular basis. And if you look at some of the greatest temptations that you faced in your life, there's a really good chance they could fit into one of those categories. Why does Satan use that stuff over and over and over again? Because it's so effective with us. Like we give into those moments. We give into those things when we're tempted by power or we're tempted by prestige or we're tempted by pleasure. That's why he uses them again and again and again. And when we understand how he's gonna attack us, That helps us learn how how to defend ourselves in those moments, like Jesus did. So every time Satan attacked, Jesus defended himself with truth. He hit Satan over and over again with biblical truth. And verse 10 says, Jesus said, Get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Why did Satan leave Jesus in that moment? because he knew he couldn't defeat him. Jesus was effectively using scripture against Satan. He recognized that he had to step away from Jesus in that moment. Satan has to do the same thing with us when we consistently use scripture over and over and over again. If we only use it one time, Satan will come back and hit us with scripture or another attack, and then we'll cave in that moment. So we can't just use it once. We have to use it over and over. And over again. And as we do that, he will step away from us for a moment at least. We'll learn more about that in a minute. Another weapon that Jesus used against Satan is fasting. And verse two tells us that Jesus was in the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. And we understand in scripture that fasting and prayer go hand in hand. So Jesus was fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. And if you're not familiar with fasting, biblical fasting is the voluntary practice of giving up something. Most often in scripture, it was food, some type of food or some amount of food for spiritual reasons. It's about giving up something physical to gain something spiritual. And and Jesus modeled that for us. He modeled putting fasting and prayer together. And again, it's about giving up something and praying that God will do something supernatural. God will do something spiritual in our lives to help us grow. Now, a powerful combination is fasting, prayer, Bible reading, and Bible application, You put those four things together, those are all powerful weapons to use against the enemy. Now, why was Jesus fasting? I think there are several reasons why he was fasting and what he was praying for. The first reason I think Jesus was fasting and praying was to help us learn how to fight against the enemy and how to control our appetites. Like, you probably recognize, especially after the Christmas season, we all have appetites, don't we? And we enjoy those appetites. You know, beyond just like food, you know, having our appetite for food, we have other appetites as well. We have desires that need to be guided. We have emotions that need to be led. We have passions that need to be channeled. And that goes directly against how Satan wants us to live. Satan wants us to indulge in every impulse that comes along. That's the message you hear on social media. If you're watching um, movies or TV shows or you're online watching anything, you're looking at billboards when you drive down the interstate, the message that Satan gives us consistently is, is engage any impulse you want, do whatever you want, whenever you want, because life is all about you. That is the biggest lie of all times. Life is not about us. Life is about Jesus. It's about us learning to live more like him learning to live like him and love like him, learning to serve the way that he serves. So we gotta know those things so we can fight against those attacks and control our appetites uh, against the enemy. Another reason it appears that Jesus fasted was to strengthen himself and prepare himself for his mission in life. So get the weight of this mission and try to put yourself in this category, okay? So imagine the reason you were born was to live a perfect life and never sin, but take the sin of the world on your shoulders as if you committed every one of those sins, big sins and small sins, and to die so that people who committed those sins could be eternally forgiven. Like imagine if that was the reason you were born. That was the reason Jesus was born. That's why he stepped out of the splendor of heaven to come to earth and become a human because of his love for us, so that we could be eternally forgiven. So I think he was preparing himself for the weight of that mission, what that was gonna take him to go through, what he was gonna have to face, and other future attacks from Satan. Luke chapter four, verse 13, gives us another perspective of this encounter of Jesus and Satan, and it says, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So Satan left Jesus in that moment because Jesus effectively used scripture to push him off. But Satan was going to come back and and attack Jesus again. Guess what that means for us? When we use scripture effectively, Satan will leave us alone in a moment, but he'll come back. He'll look for another opportunity, a moment of weakness, maybe a spiritual high that he can follow up with a spiritual low. So he'll look for opportunities. Maybe you're facing one of those challenges right now. We've got to be consistent in battling against the enemy to strengthen ourselves spiritually. And listen to what happened in Luke four, verse 14. It says, then Jesus returned to Galilee. So this is right after 40 days of fasting and prayer. Right after this, he returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. So there are some big benefits to us fasting and learning to fight off Satan's attacks. And one of them is for us to be strengthened spiritually. It's really possible for us to be strengthened spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and even in some context physically as we walk through a fast and and focus on what God can do in us instead of what we want to do in ourselves. I've experienced that in my life, and I know that many of you experience that in your life as well. Now, if you're new to Epic or you're new to fasting, we start every year in the life of our church with a biblical fast. It's a great way to focus our attention on God and His will at the beginning of the year, knowing that He's gonna take care of everything that we'll face the rest of the year. So as a church, we've done three-week fasts, we've done two-week fasts, and this year, we're gonna do a one-week fast. In the first service, there was an eruption of applause. There was people so excited that we weren't doing a three-week or a two-week fast, that we were just doing a one-week fast. Now, for those of you here in the second service who are more spiritual, who think that, that maybe like we're wimping out on this whole fasting thing, let me tell you why we're doing a one-week fast this year. I want us to challenge ourselves to a new level of fasting. So I know many of you have fasted with us before. And so what I want us us to do is really challenge ourselves to that next level of what it means for us to engage a spiritual fast. So for example, maybe you typically give up all sweets. Like I, I know that's super challenging, but maybe this year you add to that fasting one meal a day. So in addition to sweets, you're not gonna eat one meal a day. You're gonna spend that time praying for God to do something supernatural in your life as well as somebody else's life. Maybe... You typically fast social media. That's something I talk about every year and I challenge us to do every year that we should fast social media. And just imagine, like all the time we would get back if we fasted social media. Imagine how much better we would feel about ourselves when we didn't compare ourselves with everybody else out there on social media is living their best life and I'm living my suckiest life right now. Like imagine what would happen if we fasted social media. But maybe we take that a little bit further. Maybe we... Uh, Fast from all non-work-related internet use. Now breathe, I know that's scary. I know like you'll be able to do it, we can make it. Um, But maybe that's a way to challenge yourself. Or maybe you've done the Daniel fast, you you fast fruits and vegetables. Maybe this year, maybe God's challenging you to give up food altogether. Now I don't recommend everybody do that, I don't. And maybe you can't physically. If you can't, that's great. You can find another way to, to challenge yourself in fasting. But if you can do that, I recommend you do that. I've done that on several times uh, throughout our times of fasting. I've done three-week fasts where I've had no food several times. The first time I did that, it was one of the greatest spiritual encounters I had with God for three weeks. I felt like the Holy Spirit would whisper to me. I would hear him and respond immediately. It was wonderful. The next year, I couldn't wait to do that again. The next year, my three-week fast sucked every day for three weeks. It was horrible. And God whispered to me and said, like, hey, Trent, like, what are you gonna do when it's not so great? Are you gonna stay committed to this? Are you gonna fight through and still fast? Are you gonna keep working? So it was a moment for me to grow spiritually as I engage it that way. Some of us, I think, can do that, but not all of us. So pick something that will challenge you in your time of fasting this year. Then the second thing I want us to do as we fast this year is to fast specifically for someone else. There's somebody else in your life that's really struggling in their life, maybe a health issue, maybe a mental health issue, maybe a relationship issue, maybe a financial issue. There's all kinds of issues that people around us are walking through. And so imagine if we just spent one week and fasted for them, asking for God to do something spiritual, something supernatural in their lives. I think that could be a very meaningful for them and for us as well. So here are the details of our fast this year. Our fast is gonna start on January the 23rd. That's a Monday. And it's gonna end on January the 29th. And on January the 29th, we're gonna end that with a night of prayer and praise and worship. We're gonna do that at 6 p.m. here uh, in this room. So I encourage you to put that on your calendar and be prepared to come and end your fast with us that night. We'll celebrate communion as we end that fast together. On January the 22nd, We're gonna hand out these cards. These are fasting cards. So this is gonna give you an opportunity to write down what you're fasting for and what you're fasting from. These cards are gonna get to our elders and our prayer team and our elders and prayer team will be praying for you and the person that you are fasting for every day during that time of fasting. So I encourage you to be here for that. You can pick these up. They're at our Connection Center already if you want to grab them and start thinking about what you want to be fasting for. So here's what I do recommend that we all do in preparation for our fast. First thing is this. Start thinking about who you want to fast for. So who is it in your life that desperately needs God to do something? Who is that? So just spend some time praying about that. And when you identify that, determine you're gonna pray every day for that person. The next thing I encourage all of us to do, is start thinking and praying about what you wanna fast from. Again, what will be that thing that will challenge you to a new level of fasting this year? If you've never fasted before, doing anything will challenge you to the next level. So um, I encourage you to start anywhere. But if you fasted before, I encourage you to take that to the next level. If you're new to fasting and you want to learn more about it, we have a fasting preparation guide that we make available. Um, There's a QR code that's going to come up on the screen. You can actually take a picture of that. It'll take you directly to that. If you'd like a paper copy, stop in our lobby. You can pick a copy of that up. If you're watching online, there's a link in the chat section that'll take you directly to that fasting preparation guide as well. as we look at this next year in this series that, that we're starting together, the reality is that all of us this year are gonna be tested and tempted in some significant ways. For some of us, 2023 is gonna be the year of the greatest challenge we've ever faced in our lives before. Isn't that exciting? Not exciting, but it is a reality for some of us, 2023 is gonna be really hard. If we're gonna make it through 2023 effectively in our relationship with God, we need to practice what Jesus has practiced, what he's modeled for us. We need to spend some time fasting and praying and learning how to use scripture effectively against the attacks of the enemy. Basically, we gotta to learn to become more like Jesus. So as our worship team closes today, we're gonna to sing that song called More Like Jesus. And as they're guiding us through this song, I encourage you to remind yourself as you engage spiritual battles, how Jesus engaged his spiritual battles and follow his example. If we do that, I think 2023 can be one of the greatest years of spiritual growth that we look back upon. In 2024, next year, when we're starting a new year together, uh, some of us will be able to look back and say, you know what, in 2023, I faced my greatest challenge, but I grew the most significantly in my relationship with God. That can happen as we learn to become more like Jesus. If you're in a spiritual battle right now, I'd love to pray with you. Stop by our care table before you leave. We've got some amazing people there that would love to pray with you and help you in any way that we can. So um, please do that before you leave if you're in that spot. Now I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna sing together. So God, I'm so grateful that this encounter that Jesus had with Satan was captured in scripture for us to learn from. Jesus, I don't know how all this works. I'm so grateful that you 100% God became 100% man and you know exactly what it means to be a human. You know exactly what it means to face the things that we face, how to fight off the temptations of the enemy. You know how he attacks us and you effectively Defended yourself against him. You modeled that for us. So Lord, the great thing about that is we can learn how to do this. So we're grateful that you taught us how to do that. Lord, a part of that is learning how to fast, learning how to set aside something physical to gain something spiritual. We gotta learn how to pray, how to talk to you and ask you, God, to do the supernatural. Ask you to do what we can't. Lord, we've got to learn scripture. We've got to learn how to effectively interpret and use scripture because our enemy knows scripture as well. So Lord, I pray that over this next year, that you would teach us how to do that, that we would position ourselves in a spot where we would learn from you, where we would determine to learn these things this next year. We would determine to become more like Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd help us do that as we start this new year. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.